This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at a feel-good movie set in the world of opera, Falling for Figaro, a young woman's personal world of horror in Last Night in Soho and Jane Campion's world of aggression and tension in The Power of the Dog. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life as a fund manager. It's not who I am. Who do you think you are then? Well, I'm going to give myself a year to find out. If you want to take the fast track, there is one way. Megan Jeffrey Bishop. You will love her. What do you want? Uh, um, singing lessons. My God, you're even worse than I thought. The person who sent you owes me an apology. You owe me an apology. Sorry. Shut up! In Falling for Figaro, a young woman travels to the remote Scottish Highlands to fulfil her lifelong dream of becoming an opera singer. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Alice Cinemas to see this uplifting romantic comedy with many quirky touches. Uh, Carolyn, many aspects of this film came as a complete surprise to me. How did oh. Falling for Figaro affect you? Oh, I really enjoyed it. What were the aspects that you were surprised by? I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, when this girl um, goes to uh, uh, to Scotland, to, uh, to the she goes to this um, person who's going to Little teach Hamlet, her. Little Hamlet, yeah. Yeah, singer, uh, to teach her um, singing. Uh, and, um, and this is played by Joanna Lumley, but in a totally different way that Lumley usually plays. She's this strong... Aggressive, bitchy oh, she's woman. Wonderful. She just steals every scene that she's in. Yeah, if you are a Joanna yeah. Lumley fan, <laughs> you will love this film. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen her take on anything quite that terrible as a person. Oh, but you still a cannot bit help. In there. But you still cannot help liking that, admiring that woman, and the way she carries that away. Yeah. But then that other sort of odd humour they keep on putting in, into that film. Uh, can you remember the name of the um, hotel? The little local pub in that village where she goes? Oh no, it completely um it wasn't it wasn't one that you would actually want to stay at. What no. was it? Did you it was no, called I'm the filthy it was called Filthy Pig. Yeah, who'd right, you call yeah. a hotel Filthy Pig? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the scenery in this film was lovely. I mean it's set up in northern in Scotland, um just around the before you get into the Highlands, actually around Glencoe and everything, yeah. and it's just lovely, and it just sits so well together. And and if you are an opera lover, I think you really oh, quite yes. enjoyed it for its opera, and so did I. And yeah, yeah it's just beautiful the moments where you get to hear them singing. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean this is it. There's sort of um, arias are sung throughout the film by various people that the way they go, and uh, and each one are the are the basically the popular. 
well-known, lovely tunes from half a dozen different operas. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, including including what's that Mozart one? Oh, Bit of a surprise. Well, <laughs> yes, she, it's the first time she ever enters uh, uh, as a singer enters a, comp- a singing competition. She she decides to um uh, to do one song which had been adapted by Mozart, and it's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Yeah, and she, a bit of a she boy, sings. But it's quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, she sings "Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star" in a sort of an operatic fashion, as adapted yeah. by Mozart. Of all, I wasn't sure whether to believe that or not. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did you believe it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I kind of knew. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, that yeah. he'd done it, but I, yeah, I knew that anyway, he'd he done had. a lot of instrumental stuff. Yeah, but yeah, he, that he was had. really lovely. Yeah, he, that twinkle, twinkle, little the tune of that is the same tune as a as a French folk song, and it's I wonder that. if he ever copyrighted it. <laughs> I don't know. I doubt if he could have. <laughs> but yeah, and but this yeah, is but... anyway. This is what this film is full. This and quirky characters popping up here and there, and, and that makes yeah. it thoroughly enjoyable. But then underneath it all, there's quite this. I mean, in the main role, the um, the lead woman, Millie. Uh, uh, played by Danielle MacDonald. Um, she holds mm. the whole thing together in a beautiful way. But even that comes as a surprise because um, Danielle MacDonald, the actress, is quite a big woman. And I don't mean in height, but more <laughs> sideways. Yeah, that yes. doesn't affect her acting prowess, though. But she's best known for doing Netflix films and stuff and dumpling. And the, the same with the lead actor in it. I can't remember his name at the moment. Sorry. He also is more well-known for TV series than film. So these, this is both, this is her first lead role. Oh, is it? Day. Yeah. She but she, but yeah. she did a beautiful job in that too. You know, you cared for her deeply all the way. Yeah, you do. You want to spur on. She has some very good luck, have to say that. <laughs> when we all just want to rock off and have a, a year off walk, but um, yeah, oh, um, but anyone who ends up with Joe and a lovely, I guess you could consider yeah. them lucky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so glad she's still acting. Uh, she's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, to me, this is well worth. Um, it's just so much more to the whole film than I ever expected. Enjoyable yeah, stuff. No. And yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, you recommend it. Yes, I do. Yep. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Mm. Thanks. Good. Um, Cool. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Falling for Figaro. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains of M96.9. What brings you down then? I'm studying London College of Fashion. Room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. I could live any place and any time I'd live here. In London. In the 60s. In Last Night in Soho, a young woman who has settled in London becomes deeply involved in her own ever-darker fantasies. Ian Cumming has been off to the Alice Cinemas to see the surprisingly multi-level film, which is usually described as a horror movie, although I've never seen one quite like it before. Ian, what did you think of Last Night in Soho? Well, I thought it was extraordinary, actually extra 
ordinary. Yeah. Extra ordinary because it jumps from today back to the swinging 60s. Um, and it takes a while to get your head around it. But early on, I spotted um, our heroine, played by Thomas and Mackenzie, mm. trundling her bag. Her t- and we didn't have wheels in the 60s on our suitcases. We didn't have conversations about Kylie Minogue. Well, she wasn't back in the 60s. It's only when she went to sleep and, and had and dreams. That, that yes, I know, but... Um, the music set it up, and, you, uh, and it took a while for me to work out, in fact, that this is now, not in the 60s. I mean, particularly when she rings up a granny and on her cell phone. <laughs> so it's definitely yeah, now. Where are we? Where yeah. are we? <laughs> yeah. So what extraordinary, dazzling performances by Thomas and Mackenzie. You know, this, she's only 21. She's yeah, amazing. She's, yeah, she's an amazing girl. I mean, she's appeared in more films than... Um, you know, I've realised um, she was in Jojo Rabbit. That's the Taika Waititi film. And, yep. uh, and uh, also this year she appeared in um, another top film, The Justice of Bunny King. And as well, yeah. The Power of the Dog. Yeah, she had a part in I'm not quite sure what she played well, in Well, she was something she was in that, in that but yeah. she was also <laughs> in Leave No Trace, which really got her international oh, recognition. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, she was, she was in that uh, film, The History of the Kelly Gang, as well. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, what got me about her is you see her at the, the, at the opening of the film, she's inside this house, she comes through a door with this sort of... Yeah, ex wonderful dress on, and starts sort of singing and dancing down the hallway, and it's such a well done sort of a sequence. Well, the, it's the opening you know, sequence she, pretty well. She, yeah, she, yeah, but she, she, but I mean, what captured me was her. She's such a lovely, pretty young. Yeah, girl. and what she did, and uh, you she's know, got that charm to to carry off. A yes, in part like of the scene there, she looks at herself in the mirror and pulls for f- certain faces, decided, "Oh, this is me." <laughs> now that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, it's a remarkable talent. Now the the clever thing I thought here was by star, um, supporting actors. They're not main ones, except perhaps um, Diana Rigg, who's got more more air time. But uh, sixty years ago, the director cast um, Rita Tushingham. Um, who plays the granny. Oh, yes. Yeah. She was in films called The Taste of Honey. Uh, and we have Terence... Oh, I've forgotten his name. This is I've written. Terence... Oh, never mind. We'll think about it and we'll mention his name at the end of the review. Um, anyway, he was in, um, He was a big star in Modesty, Blaze and Poor Cow. Uh, and then we, of course, Dinah Rigg, who, yeah. her very last film. The last film. Very yeah. last film. And she plays this old sort of rather stern woman... Uh, who, where a, a young Ellie goes to live in this house in London, her home. Yeah, yeah. And she was, yeah, she was famous for the Avengers, particularly. That's right. She's, yeah. She was a stage actress in any number of films, including um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So there's a bunch of eighty-year-olds. Um, but we mustn't forget. Now, and but, uh, don't forget, they were young back in the 60s. Oh, indeed, they were. That is a significant point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Anya Taylor-Joy, who's, who's about the same age, I think, as Thomason is, but um, she plays the uh, the girl that... Um, um, Ellie, Eloise. Ella, Ellie, Ellie's the name of the Thomason's character. And, yeah. she, and um, so this person who pops up in the 60s, in her imagination or in her flashbacks, um, and she's very good at that too. You know, yeah, that's yeah. She plays and you're totally enjoy playing Sandy. That's right. Yeah, she was in Peaky Blinders and The Queen's Gambit, and uh, just recently on television as well. Yeah, and she made that film Radio- Radioactive. Oh, she was in that last year. Too. Oh, did you? I didn't see that one. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was oh. about one that, that female um, nuclear scientist. 
and uh, she played her as a young girl mm. before she yeah. right yeah and um, yeah at, uh, and and the beauties those girls are sort of pre early on you see them in sequences together and you wonder now is that the same girl or not except one's got blonde hair one's yeah. got dark hair. <laughs> I was wondering but no they're not they've got slightly different well particularly as Ellie changed her hairstyle yeah, and yeah, she became blonde yeah she became blonde you know I, I was a bit confused there is this the same girl or not, because and then one of those amazing things I do in this film are those um, mirror reflection scenes, and um, I still wasn't quite sure what was going on. Mm. Where does this blonde girl come from in the first place? But then until you finally realise the other girl's, uh, the main girl is dreaming all this yeah. and going back to the 1960s. But she's in the mirror, reflected, looking at yeah, um, and, she, and she's <laughs> look yeah, and on, there's one girl on one side of the mirror and the other girl on, <laughs> on the outside, and they can sort of doing the same things. One lifts one arm, <laughs> all this sort of thing, and same, you know. And um, and I just wondered, is this supposed to be the same person or not? Yeah. And, well, um, we've got to um, give enormous credit to Edgar Wright. Now, the trailer, and it's got from the inspiration of Edgar Wright, exclamation mark, right? Uh-huh. This is in the trailer. Well, Edgar Wright, the director, um, he was uh, in, uh, inspired apparently by George A. Romero's zombie thrillers, and he, he himself made films called Shaun of the Dead and Fuzz and oh, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, so um, he's... Um, there's, there's an element of zombies in there as, as Ellie's having these fantasy dreams or whatever, these faceless men, always faceless men. Um, <laughs> yeah. And sort of you could, you, they were sort of zombie-like, weren't they? Don't you I reckon? Guess you could, well, I suppose if you've seen zombie movies, you could say yeah. I, I can't say. <laughs> but it, 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 it's a tricky, it's quite a tricky film to follow as you jump backwards and forwards and, and is Ellie really seeing this or is she dreaming it? Yeah, yeah. Or is she having yeah. a terrible yeah. nightmare and sits up and screams? Yeah. But but, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but 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 it does keep you fascinated, and it sort of more or less all comes together at the end with a rather surprise mm. ending on it. And uh, yeah, this is you know, oh no, I, to me as, as horror films go, this is a totally different kind to anything else I've ever seen. Um, but it certainly captured me all the way and the you know the wonderful uh, 1960s pop music singing oh all all, the, all well the I was I was in London out. there at that time and all this music all this music come takes me back there at that pay, at that uh, yeah I mean, that time. Peculiar. by the way it was Terence Stamp was the name I was trying oh, to think of Terence Stamp so there we are we could leave it there and it was a fascinating couple of hours yeah That was Ian Cumming helping me with Last Night in Soho. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. I wonder what little lady made these. I did, sir. (laughs) Well, Brother Phil? Open up the gate, let him out. Sure, he's not ready. Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. 
only another man. <laughs> Jane Campion's beautifully crafted, very intense drama, The Power of the Dog, takes us onto an American ranch where everybody appears to be involved in some sort of conflict. Mary Gibson's been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this award-winning movie. Uh, Mary, how did you cope with The Power of the Dog? This is a really, really interesting movie. I... I, I honestly think you almost need to see it twice exactly. to, yes. <laughs> to pick up all the nuances in this movie. It is very dark um, in colour and in the story, and um, but as it as it evolves, it actually lightens to a certain mm. extent, both physically and emotionally. Yeah, and so it's quite interesting to to watch this this story unfold. There are so many pieces of it. And I think for me, and I, I, I said this to you, it's actually more about what isn't said than yes. what is said. Yes. And you you need to um see the film twice. Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> and I and I think you need to really concentrate because it is all about those nuances and all about those unsaid pieces. But you know, that the acting in it is quite exceptional. Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing. He is such an interesting character. He is so beguiling but cruel and harsh and then he has these other pieces that are soft he bathes in the river he lies in the <laughs> sunlight yet he can castrate a bull with two quick knife strokes you know and and yet it's so interesting and then Kirsten Dunst in the role as the widow Rose who then meets George who is played by I can't remember his name you'll know um, yeah it's no Cody Smith McPhee. That's it. And, you know, and then um, uh, Benedict Cumberpatch's uh, role as Phil Burbank, so two wealthy rancher brothers from Montana who, you know, have whose parents obviously live somewhere else, must have started the ranch. Um, and, and, and it's their story and, and what unfolds through that. They're two bachelors and then... Um, you know, George falls for Rose because yeah, Phil's been so cruel to her and, you know, all of this. And then has a young son who I, I think is actually the Cody Smith McPhee Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I did get young them mixed Peter, up. I just Peter. Like that's Peter, yeah. And um, it, 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 he, he is quite an interesting character as well. Really interesting. So I think, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away because it is such a powerful movie and people need to watch this whole movie and really concentrate in it. But Peter's character, play close attention to him yeah, all the way yeah, through. Yeah. Play really close attention to him. Um, you know, he, he's effeminate. He, he comes across as as gay. Um, he's teased by Phil's character and the other cowhands. And, you know, it, it's, oh, gosh, it's yeah. so, such an interesting story. Yeah. Well, on their first meet, I mean, uh, young Peter, he loves making these artificial flowers just out of paper and odds and ends. And, and they're absolutely beautiful and places them on, on dinner mm, tables. Mm, and that, mm. of course, this is where the, um, the uh, rather aggressive um, Phil 
sees mm, them and mm. then abuses the boy and he calls him even a Nancy boy for, yeah, for making but, that, but you've got to remember it's set, it's set and, in 1925, so that's mm, the language yeah. that would have been used yeah. then. Yeah, I yeah. think you'd better point out to people too, this is 1925, as you yeah. say, because there's a few scenes there where they go to, into town and you see motor cars about because mm, mm. I automatically think it's a cowboy film mm, <laughs> set mm. back in the old cowboy days long before cars mm, were invented, mm. but it's... It's it's yeah, well it's last century and exactly, just on a hundred exactly. years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And isn't the scenery in it amazing? It's yeah. it's shot in obviously in central Otago. Yeah. And you can see the Lindus and the yeah. mountains. Yeah, this and, is it. I mean that side of it is beautifully done because this is supposed to be set in Montana. Mm, yeah, that's sort mm, of central mm, North America. Mm, uh, mm. northern United States, I should say. And um but uh, the, the photography down here is absolutely mm. splendid and mm. um uh, I must say Jane Campion does know how to use that. Oh, look, you know, and, and that is stunning, stunning um, countryside. It's so, so, um, you know, when you see those images, you absolutely know it's central Otago because <laughs> been, it's, yeah. just, it's just how it is. You know, yeah. those those amazing hills and you're kind of reminded of Graham Sidney paintings who, who paints that that. Our landscape so well, but yeah, I mean, for the un- uninitiated, they probably wouldn't know, but <laughs> because we know that landscape so well, you can tell. But this this movie, look, I I was just enthralled in it. I I never quite knew where it was going yeah, to exactly. head, and you know, and 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 where the characters would end up. Mm. That's that's why I feel like you do need to see it twice to really, really grasp it and to yeah. really comprehend yeah. it. I mean, because, I, I mean, for most of the film, you know, I just kept on thinking, where is this film going? Mm. You know, I honestly mm. could not see the point. What were they going mm. well, What mm. going to what? But I, then you do get that uncomfortable feeling that something rather so, yeah. aggressive mm. of some mm. nature or another is going to happen. Mm. But it's difficult to understand, to, to, to imagine what it could possibly be. I mean, I think, but there are points towards the end, you know, but, um, the, the, just the, the, the who wears gloves towards the end of the film, <laughs> different mm, things mm, that are done. Mm. And, and I'm going to give away one little hint, and this is because quite uh, it's uh, something that I had to see the film twice to sort of tweak mm, on to. Mm. <laughs> but right at the start... Um, somebody starts talking about anthrax, the, mm. the disease, which kills a lot of animals. Mm. And um, and then towards the end, right just at the end of the film, there's a doctor comes on and he starts talking about anthrax also. And, and yeah. then the penny dropped for me. Aha! Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. led us to well, that? well, and I think I think you know, as as I said, what the thing about this movie is that there is not a lot of dialogue. No, it's mm. not. It's all about facial expressions, how people move, how they how they interact with each other yeah. through their yeah. bodies, yeah. and. That's why I say pay particular attention because it's more about what isn't said than what is said. Yes, yes, and yes. and that's that's the thing about this movie to really, really take note of. But yes. it is it is great. I, I I really recommend it, and I think that um, this will do very well. Yeah. Well, Jane Campion was awarded. Um, 
the best director at the uh, this year's Venice Film Festival, and uh, she also got uh, another best film award at the San Sebastian Film Festival mm, with mm, this film. Mm. So because mm. it is so so different. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That was Mary Gibson with her views on the power of the dog. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Music